What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, your source for everything Isles, and the only Islanders podcast to go top shelf in the second round of the shootout. I'm one of your hosts, Damon Vittieri, and I'm joined this week by Ben Cohen. How's it going, guys? Now, for you listening at home, you know usually we've got three people on the podcast. Uh, it was Kenny's birthday yesterday, and he was probably in one, so we decided to give him the night off. I think uh, he gets well-deserved rest uh, today. Um, so, uh, run of the show this week, we're going to uh, get into some news to cover, and then um, we're going to dive into the prospects game last night against the Flyers, and then we're going to take a deep look at the athletic preview of the Islanders' upcoming season. But before we get into that, Ben, how's it going this week? Uh you know, things have been better. It's first full week of school, but in the moment I'm feeling really good because, you know, those like half, those chairs that have half a back. So you lean back and then like every vertebrae in your back cracks and you feel like a new person. Yeah, that's a good that feeling. That just happened and it's the best feeling ever. Oh, that's nice. That's real nice. I, I don't have that. I've got a full back and I'm <laughs> also quite older than you and a little stiff. And yeah, anyway. So. Let's get into the news. We um, we had some signings this week. Um, we had Zach Wierenski signed a three-year, $5 million AAV deal. And um, we also had uh, Josh Morrissey, who signed a long-term deal, eight years at $6.25 million. So a couple of D-men getting locked up. Wierenski was, of course, um, an RFA, one of, the, one of the crop of RFAs that had not signed yet. Uh, he gets locked up before camp. Some say it's because uh, Tortorella... <laughs> said that he would be very disappointed and disgusted if he missed camp, uh, even a wouldn't minute of camp. Be, uh, wouldn't you be intimidated if someone said that, about, if Tortorella said that about you behind your back? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter how, how good of a camp Wierenski had because he would have disappointed Torts. So, yeah, for sure. Um, Morrissey was a little bit more interesting. Um, the Jets lock him up for term. He wasn't coming up um, as an RFA until next season. So his, uh, his contract doesn't kick in, um, until after this year. So, uh, good for them. Uh, lock up a real good young defenseman for, uh, for eight years. So do we think Ben, that this has any impact on, uh, Ryan Pollock, who of course will be an RFA at the end of this season? I think it does. And I think it also might have a slight effect on, on Devin Taves, but we'll get into that a little bit more. First, I want to dive into Pollock because Morrissey last year, Played 59 games, 31 points. Uh, I don't know why I, I am blanking on the pace that he was on. I just had that up. Let me just quickly get it. 31 divided by 59 times 82. So he's on a 43-point-per-game pace, which is very good, I think. Uh, and he also had a, a plus 9, plus minus on a good Jets team. Pulak is uh, a similar he had a better plus minus on you know the best defensive team in the league uh, with 37 points. Yeah, he was a plus 21 last season. I yeah, mean, that's unbelievable. Plus 21. That's even on a even on a team like the Islanders, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And his 37 points. He had nine goals, 28 assists, and he played he played all 82 games. I mean, he clearly our number one D man last For season. Sure. I mean, he took a big he took a big step. And then you compare his numbers to Taves, who of course got called up. Um, a little little less than halfway through the season. He played 48 games, five goals, 13 assists with 18 points, and he was a plus seven. And uh, most people attribute the Islanders kind of clicking and gelling last season when Taves was called up. That was kind of the, yeah, the final piece that we needed um, to kind of get over the hump. So Maybe yeah, both these guys. Because my first game of the season that I went to at, at the Coliseum was the Chicago overtime game where Tate scored his first NHL goal, which was the winner. Oh yeah, that was a sweet. Yeah, five hole, man. I remember that. He got the he got his own rebound and just went went five hole. Um, and that was the yeah they played the Blackhawks that night. I yeah, think. I remember going with my dad, and it was the game where my dad's not a hockey fan; he's just a soccer fan. And so Barzal scored. I don't even know what you call it in hockey because it never happens, but in soccer it would be a volley, where the puck wasn't on the ice and he was in the air and he like basically hit a home run into the back of the Yeah, head. yeah. He took a baseball swing and hit it out of, out of, out yeah. of the air. That was unbelievable. My dad looked at me. He was like, what, what did I just see? I was like, just because I watch more hockey than you does not mean that I know what just happened because that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we got off track a little bit, but uh, Taves definitely helped the team last year, and um, I think we'll take a huge step forward this year. Um, I'd be just disappointed if he didn't. With with Morrissey and Wierenski, it's two 
similar players in terms of points. Wierenski had 44 points. He played all 82 games, but he was a minus 12. In fairness, the Blue Jackets were all over the place last year. Like, good. Right. There was, yeah, there was, there was definitely no chemistry with that team. I mean, they were adding guys towards the end. So yeah, and plus-minus is, is a hard metric to go by, as we'll talk later about whether you can go by any metrics when you talk about a team like the Islanders especially. But with Pulak, I think that he'll get somewhere between what Morrissey got and what Wierenski got. I always thought that he would get like a 6 by 6 or something like that. Definitely yeah. more around 6 AAV and 6 or maybe 7 years. But I think the interesting thing is that Morrissey and Wierenski, the two contracts, give you senses of two possible directions that Pulak can go down. He can go down the Wierenski... It's, it's not a bridge deal, but it's shorter on the term and more team-friendly in terms of the AAV with three, three years at $5 million, whereas Morrissey is locked up for, is it eight years? Eight years at $6.25 million. Yeah. So it's, well, it's two possible... Well, they're very different contracts. Wierenski actually, it, it kind of is a bridge deal because I believe that they still have his rights um, going into what could be a qualifying offer for his fourth year. And, and the, the way that they um, staggered the contract payment, I think he makes $7 million his last year, which is important because that's how they de- determine how much he can make the following year. So... They're kind of different contracts, you know, and and what I see more than what's interesting to me more than anything else is, you know, you look at the points and yeah, you know, we can talk about points all day. But um, if you look, get into a little bit more of the analytics here and and the advanced stats, Wierenski's Corsi 4 was 51 and Morrissey's was 50.1, where Pollock's is only 46.8. And then you look at Devin Taves or Devon Taves and his Corsi 4 was 53. So he had the best Corsi four out of any of these players here. So if Taves has a great year this season, you could almost argue that he can make as much money as Pollock, depending on yeah. the minutes that he plays. I think Pollock played much tougher minutes um, as as a, kind of our shutdown guy. Um, so you have to take that into consideration. But yeah, it'll be real interesting. I would love to lock up Pollock long term. Um, you know, give him an eight year deal, and I think you know. Morrissey money at least. I think he's probably going to be closer to to, to seven million, maybe. Um, so we'll see. That'll be that'll be real interesting. It a lot of it has to do with what they do this year. You know, if the numbers yeah. are the same, then yeah, they're going to get paid for sure. And also, we forget. I certainly forgot, but I want. Don't look at the stats. Like, don't look at your computer. Which of these four guys is the oldest? I would think Pollock. Taves. No, Taves is Taves is isn't it? Taves yeah. is twenty five. Right. Pulak and Morrissey are 24. Wierenski is 22. Yeah, but Pulak's going to be 25 in a month, less than a month. Yeah. So they're effectively the same age. Yeah. Well, it'll Dave's be interesting. Also in the second half of his 25. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I think, it, you know, it all depends on what they value more, you know, who's eating bigger minutes. You know, you got to remember too with Wierenski, he's got somebody like Seth Jones that can take some of the pressure off of him where Pollock was kind of the guy. Um, we had a great D last year, but it was mostly, I don't want to say by committee, but no one really, you know, everybody was really interchangeable. I mean, they just had a real solid unit. It was, it was a well-oiled machine last year. So um, I think this year coming up for for both of both of Pollock and Taves is huge for what they're going to get moving forward. Um, but it's nice to kind of get a sense of the landscape with these two signings and and kind of see where they're gonna where Pollock and Taves are gonna slot in from a from a contract standpoint. So those were kind of the two bigger. There there have been other signings, but those were the two we really wanted to dig into today because we think that they affect the Islanders more than more than some of the others. Um, the other news bit I want to get into, not too much. I just kind of want to touch on it. Were the um, Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel rumors that uh, Rob Rossi from the Athletic broke? Um, if you're not familiar with the situation. Kessel and Malkin have kind of always been a little bit at odds. And the, what Rossi reported this week was that if um, if Kessel came back to the Penguins, Malkin was going to request a trade. He was done playing with Phil Kessel. And then, of course, as you know, Phil Kessel was shipped out to Arizona uh, so he could be with Rick Tockett. And uh, I guess Malkin's happy now. 
So I, I wanted to talk some about this because of, uh, some kind of punishment going out to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a good life for for Phil. He's gonna he's gonna be able to relax, put his feet up, hang out, play some golf. So good good for him. But Get um, bit by rattlesnakes. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to the reason why I wanted to bring this up was um, I mean, look, there. I think this definitely hurts the Penguins. I mean, they've got Galchenyuk, but it, it hurts the Penguins a little bit. Um, I have a little bit of information from, I'm not going to say names or, or anything like that, but I played hockey with a kid way back when um, he was part of the uh, the national development program. He played the same year that Kessel played. And all I heard was that Kessel was difficult to play with. Um, this kid had, uh, had hearing aids and Kessel used to make fun of him for his hearing aids. And he would, they, and, and apparently he got into a, the, the kid that I will not mention his name, got into a fight with Kessel. And that was the last time that, uh, that he ever played on the, on the, the USNTDP team. So, um, it doesn't surprise me is my point that Malkin would request a trade and finally got sick of the Phil shtick. Um, Kessel's a tough guy, I think, to play with. So I just, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting um, article. And of course, Malkin denies the rumors um, as he would, but that's also probably because Kessel's gone now. So anyway, interesting um, to see how Malkin bounces back this year. I mean, he still put up points, but but he kind of took uh, a lot of um, the Penguin shortcomings last year. He took that upon himself and kind of blamed himself. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. Um, and now, finally, finally, Ben, we can talk about a hockey game. The Baby Islanders played the Baby Flyers last night in Allentown. And we got, um, for some of us, you know, first first looks at, uh, at some of our... Um, Younger players, uh, Noah Dobson. We we got, of course, a, another look at uh, Otto Koivalo this season, and um, Mason Yobst, who was was impressive. But we kind of wanted to touch uh, a little bit on the game and and how that went down. And before we kind of get into into the the weeds here, Ben, do you have any anything you know general terms things that you noticed th- during the game? Can we just talk about the fact that there's hockey again? There's hockey again. Yes. Like yes. Yes! I mean, it's not... You know, my dad, I was talking to... I was watching the game, and my dad was like, do you care who wins? And I was like, obviously I want the Islanders to win if they were to lose, but the players who I care about play well, and they lose because, you know, Bobo Carpenter... Actually, Bobo Bobo Carpenter's injured. But Mm -hmm. if they lose because someone they signed from the street last week made three crazy errors, then it's not going to be the end of the world. But, like, when the Islanders won in a shootout. Like, it, it's amazing. You you celebrate regardless because, you know, they're wearing blue and orange. Yeah, and yeah. they're not Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I probably care a little bit less as far as the, the score is concerned. I mean, these games, with prospect games, I mean, there's really no flow. It's just almost, you know, every everybody's trying to put on a showcase. Everybody's trying to impress. There's really no systems in place. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in the outcome. Um, I tend to look at it more, like you said, you know, there's certain guys that I'm seeing how they – how they compare, you know, to their peers. And, and of course, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Bodie Wild didn't play. He's hurt. Simon Holmstrom, our, our first round pick, didn't play. Um, he's hurt. Bobo Carpenter, as you mentioned. Um, but we still got to look at, at a lot of guys. And um, I think maybe we'll start with the most controversial based on what we're seeing online. And that's Noah Dobson. And I have to say, he played a lot of minutes. He was our number one defenseman um, as far as the depth chart goes. He, he ate a lot of minutes. He played a lot on the PK and on the power play. But at times, I thought that he looked lost out there. Not, not Maybe not lost is the word, but I want to say he looked tentative. You hit the nail on the head when you are talking about Dobson. And you were talking before, I think, about players are trying to put on a showcase. And it kind of felt like Dobson was trying to do something like that. I mean... I liked a lot of the things he did. I mean, if you look at his execution on the power play, I loved it. He had a few borderline slap passes to to Yobst in the slot that were just they they showed you his talent and you saw his talent for sure. But also that he held the puck for too long sometimes in the defensive zone, it led to a goal once. 
uh, when he got stripped by I forget who of the Flyers. Um, but there, there are encouraging things too. I one of the other goal that I no, it wasn't a goal, but it was a chance that I, I believe Soderstrom saved well, where his partner, I think it was Justin Murray, pinched in or came up in the in the neutral zone, and so Dobson was the only guy back, and it took him a little bit too long to shift to the left part of the zone to cover, mm-hmm. and it led to a scoring chance. Right. And I was, I was thinking, I was like really disappointed. You know, that's the thing you gotta get like that, but. It happened again a minute later, and I think that might tell you a little bit about what kind of player Justin Murray is. And he right. was there right away. And so the learning curve I like, and there were definitely positives, but it was disappointing. It felt like he was trying to do too much. Yeah, it's it's hard because these guys know that the brass is in the building, and Dobson knows that all, all eyes are on him. And when you're a defenseman... I mean, you know, you're not... You're, you're playing with a partner you're not familiar with. You don't know what that other partner's tendencies are. So I don't look too much into it. I thought that he was a little soft in front of the net. There was one goal where he missed his man. He didn't tie up he didn't tie up the stick and they scored. Now, I get it. Dobson was for the most of the night he was going against a line that the Flyers have that pretty much can be in the NHL right now and that's Radcliffe, Frost and Farabee. Those are three very good forwards for the Flyers that will be on their team, if not this year, the next year. So he was going against, you know, great players. That being said, I, j- I didn't like the turnovers. I didn't like the soft play in front of the net. But again, I don't put too much stock into it because you don't know what your teammates are doing. It's even harder on D. I mean, it's hard, on, it's hard as a forward. It's even harder on defense when you don't know what your, what your partner's thinking and doing. So, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I saw some people say that Dobson had a great game. I don't know what game they were watching. At best, I would say average, but I thought it was more disappointing. There were a few times where I just said, ooh, who made that pass? And then I looked, and it was 45. So, yeah, I'm, 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 a, little, I'm a little worried. If he plays like this in camp, I would almost say there's no way that he makes the team. But let's let him get comfortable, give him a few days with the big boys, um, play with some, you know, established veterans that are going to help him out. And I still think him struggling is better in the NHL than him succeeding in juniors for a third year. Cause I just don't think there's anything left there for him to prove or to learn. So that's kind of my take yeah. on Dobson. Um, there were a few other guys that, that we were looking at though, that we had mixed reactions on and what the guy that was my, I think most people's favorite, uh, watching the game was Oliver Wallstrom. And For sure. this was before he scored the in the shootout. I mean, obviously awesome, and there was zero doubt in my mind he was scoring. I I was going in, and I was like, you know, obviously he's a shooter, but, you know, shooters sometimes deke and, you know, fake the shot uh, before deking. But there's no way he's not going to shoot, right? And I'm thinking all this in, you know, in fast forward in my head. And by the time I was done, it, the puck was already in the back of the net. But anyway, before we even got to the shootout, he was on the forecheck. He was physical. He was in the right places on the power play. He was getting shots off. So, like, his release time has to be, like, milliseconds. His release is incredible. I think that he made such a case. He's going to impress at camp. He was the only player. You didn't even you didn't even have to look at the numbers. You knew when he had the puck, he was the only Islanders forward that skated with swagger. Like you just knew he had confidence. 100. He had his head up. He was flying. And the thing I love, and and Ben, we were talking about this during the game. He attacks the defenders. You get some skaters that you know they're perimeter players. They're fast and they try to use their speed to get around the D. Wallstrom will take the puck one on two. He'll be they'll the, the deal step up at the blue line and he will go right at both of them and try to get between both of them. He's a bulldog. And and with his release and the way he plays and he can create space for himself, man, I want to see him with Matt Barzell. Oh because that release, he first shift of the game, he just ripped one and like just missed the net or or the or the, the goaltender got a stick on it. And I, I just said, Oh my, tell me that was Wallstrom, because that thing just came off his stick like a rocket. The other thing is that I wanted to see him. We got to see it a little tiny bit on the power play at the end. 
But I wanted to see him with Bellows because I thought Bellows had a really mixed game. I thought he was invisible in the first and second periods. I thought he came into it in the third more. But you, when you, right when you were talking about about Walsh on two guys, he also has the has the ability to rip one before you can even get your stick there because that's how fast his reaction time is. But if you're accounting for that, then he also has the ability to drag it past you, which leads me to Kiefer Bellows because Kiefer Bellows had a move that where I. I was with you. I thought it was Wallstrom at first because mm-hmm. he was in the third period. I think it was like four minutes into the third period, right around the time the Islanders were scoring for fun. Yes. Um, and he, you thought he was going to shoot just because I thought it was Wallstrom. And he instead drags it past, to, past the defenseman and gets a shot off that was, that was stopped. And I was like, like that's what you want to see. And it's disappointing that you can't, you, we, we haven't been able to see it for 60 minutes. Yeah. I love that move that he made. That was that inside-outside move where he kind of dropped the shoulder, got around the, the D-man, and just and, and, and ripped one. He's got an incredible release, too. And I think with Bellows, he's not going to control the play as much as Wallstrom will. I don't see either of these guys really being engines on their line. I see them both as finishers. You know, I said that. I said that before, and last night just really proved it. Um, but Wallstrom definitely had the pace last night where I think I would have liked to see a little bit more from Bellows, but I also don't expect that from him. I think he's a guy that can grind. He's a stocky kid. He can, he can kind of muck it up and he's got a good release. He's kind of your prototypical up, you know, third, third liner with some upside, um, Bellows, which I like. And, and so I thought they both had, had solid games. Um, I think Otto Koivula had a fantastic game last night and tell me this kid's not Anders Lee 2.0. Oh my God. I love this kid. I, you, you see him on the ice and you're it's like, you're looking at Zdeno Chara. He's huge. And is this he is taller is, than Dobson. Cause Dobson's a monster too out there. I wonder if I they're the same. I think Dobson's Dobson. taller. Uh, yeah, let me you, get this. You, you, you check that. But I, I thought there were some, there were some, plays last night like he made one play Koivula where he did a behind the back between the legs pass into the slot he was like behind the net and he had a guy on him and I just I said tell me that's not Anders Lee because that is a move that Lee would do you know all the time where he just kind of yeah. makes these like quick little passes and Koivula just it's, the pens where he hit the where he dragged it past I want to say it was Jack Johnson and then hit the post yep yep exactly that, that was like, exactly and and also that was the move that Kiefer Bellows did yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, Dobson is 6'3", 179. Koivula is ready, 6'4", 218. Wow, he's even bigger than Dobson. That's crazy. He's a monster. He's a, he's a monster. He's going he's gonna to make the team, I think. He's going to be our first call-up. I think he's going to be our, our mid-season call-up, just like Devon Taves was last year. And I don't he think he's going to look near, back. Um, if he has so, anywhere near Devon Taves' impact, I would be thrilled. Yeah. I think he can. I think he can. I mean, he, he had a goal and an assist last night. He was playing basically fourth line. Um, you know, what more do you need from him? I mean, he just, he, he got out, he, he gets open. Um, he created some separation on his, um, I think he had a power play goal, right? Or, oh no, he did No, he just, he created separation five on five and kind of ripped one. He had a real nice pass uh, to Felix Bebo um, in the second period. So yeah, goal and an assist. He was great. Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about Yobst because I think that's how you say his name. That's how, that's how the Flyers announcer was saying his name. And I haven't heard it pronounced anywhere else. So I think it's Yobst or Yobst, but that kid had a motor on him last night. He was playing first, he was playing first line center with, uh, with Wallstrom on his wing. And he was just in everybody's face. He was going last night. You were talking about the, uh, directness, the engine that, that Wallstrom had. I saw it from Yobst too. Yobst too. I don't. Yobst, right. how are we going to get past this tonight? I don't know. Yobst, Yobst, it's uh, he, 66, that kid. <laughs> yeah, 66. And there were times where you kind of thought he was like gritty hosting with 66. Yeah, right. And I mean, obviously not like he wasn't dangling past anyone. But And did you see that guy? I think his name is Yannick Turcotte. He was just like throwing mm-hmm. kids around for no reason. Yeah. He, he, he looked like he was that like, last year too. He made he made the team last year um, through just just grinding it out, man. I mean, he was a, he was an animal. Um, 
And I think I don't I can't remember if he played in the ECHL last year, or if he played some games with Bridgeport, but he was doing that last 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 prospect game in last year too. And uh yeah, he's 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 a little bit of an animal. I it'll be good to see Yobst playing in in Bridgeport this year. Um he's a little bit older. You know, he's one of those one of the college signings that we had him in Bobo Carpenter. So um I'll, I'll be curious to see what he does this season. He could be a good depth player for us down the line and you never know. I mean, if he lights it up in the AHL, he could find his way up. You just you just don't know. So I thought overall, I mean, look, we they were down 3 zip. Um then they started coming back. Um they came back from 3 nothing, then it was 4-2. They scored two goals in the third and then won it in the shootout. I thought they I thought they played well against the Flyers team that had quite a few ready to be in the NHL guys. Uh, Philippe Myers was out there. German Rubsoff was out there. He had, I think he had two goals, Rubsoff. And then of course the, the aforementioned line of, uh, of Farabee and Ratcliffe and, and Morgan Frost, who I think, I think Frost or Farabee is going to be up this year. I'd be shocked if they didn't make it out of camp. Flyers need some, some offense in their, in their forward, uh, forward court. So um, I thought they played well. And, and I thought um, Scarrick, you know, um, he came in. He let in. He let in a goal early, and then I thought uh, I thought he really kind of settled down, and um, he looked real good in the shootout also. So I thought he looked a little bit better than Soderstrom. Um, but again, it's tough to say with these guys because there's there's really no flow um, with these games. It's just you kind of want to see them looking looking steady. And I think the Isles put up like forty some odd shots. So they were their offense was going last night. So it was great to see the boys back on the ice, even if it's the baby Isles. I was trying to look up Otto Koivula's face-off percentage uh-huh. because he seems like the guy that would be a perfect, even if it's just a utility guy, to be the the fourth third liner. Like, if you assume that your third line is, let's say, Brassard, Komarov, Lab, ugh. Yeah, there's there's veterans just clogging up. I mean, these kids. I think some of them are ready to go. And or and I lad is lad is injured, and so you put Del Cole there, and Koivula is the fourth guy. I mean, I would feel comfortable putting Koivula in at any at substituting him for any of those three guys. Also, I'd be comfortable putting him in for anyone if Clutterbuck, if any of the Clutterbuck's Ezekiel Martin line got out, got had to come out for a second if. If Clutterbuck's out and you want to put Kamarov there and then play Koivula and maybe have Kunakal on the right and Brassard in the middle, like that's great. Yeah, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see one or two surprises out of camp this this season. Um, some veterans that maybe you thought were going to be on the team that get bumped down or waived because there's it. too many. There's too many guys, and if. If Koivula, after the performance last night, after what he did in Bridgeport the season before, if he has a good camp, I mean, do they consider him over over Broussard? Or I mean, it's it's hard to say. These guys are going to really be going at it all camp. Do you know, there's a limit to how many guys can make the roster pre waivers, like for the first few games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to have a 23 man roster. So, because then you can obviously go up and down freely. Before waivers, but the que- I'm wondering, I mean, how are you going to give all these guys a chance? Because there's definitely a scenario where Dobson, Koivula, Wallstrom, Hosang, Dalcole all impress at camp, and you want to give them a few games of the season, and you yeah. know they can't all play at once, even before waivers. Oh yeah, well you've got some guys that are going to be waiver exempt, and you've got others that that aren't um it depends on their age and where they're at in their contracts so the younger guys you can you can send up and down but like a guy like dobson you can't you won't you send him back to junior he's back there so and and if he plays if he plays more than nine games um then he burns his first year so you either play him for a few games and send him back to junior or you keep him with the team the whole season um yeah that's what i'm saying is like the first few games of the season the first nine games you can do that with guys like Dobson, but you can't do that with every player on the roster. Sure. 
Sure, that's what I'm saying. I think there's going to be some surprise waves and 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 guys that maybe make the team that you weren't thinking or you know some of the youth because either that or they're going to load up Bridgeport. But again, I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because again, at the end of the day, you've got a finite amount of of, of spots. And to me, you've you yes, you've got a lot of veterans, but you've got a lot of very mediocre veterans. And as we're going to get into. Um, pretty soon here with the athletics preview of the aisles, you've got a lot of veterans that you think maybe would be kind of that grinded out, you know, for checking team, but they're really not that way. And, and so I don't know what they add to the team, especially when Barry Trotz has said that he wants a little bit more offense this season out of his, out of his guys, the skills not coming from who we have on the roster. Currently, the skills coming from the prospects that are, that are, that are fighting for a, a roster spot. And so I find <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's there's been some rumors, and and now with Morrissey signed, give me uh, give. Yeah, we're starting to see those rumors start with Kyle Connor and offer sheets and line A, and it's like, uh, here we go again. So, yeah, we'll see. But um, I think Ball Duke played real good last night too. He had a great bomb. I thought Quenville played good last night. Um, again, the only oh, guy that I was kind of uh, Ball Duke was amazing. I love Ball Duke. He looked like. A quiet pro, honestly. Yep. I mean, he's he's not yet, but he looked like someone who was comfortable, was solid, didn't overdo anything, didn't overthink anything, uh, puck from point to point in the offensive zone, everything you want. Would you say he was our best defenseman last night? I think yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought Quenville played good too, but Quenville... Uh, he's not, he just doesn't, I think he's a guy that you're going to see there. They'll, they'll move on from him soon. Um, I don't think there's enough upside there with him. A um, couple of guys that I was not, not disappointed in. Cause I don't know if I had expectations for them, but they didn't really do much for me. A um, couple of our forwards, Blade Jenkins, who played with Bodie Wild last year with the spirit. Um, he really didn't look good um, to me. He got just absolutely deked out of his jockstrap last night by uh, by Phil Myers. I mean, he put a move on him on the blue line, just walked right around him, and then made a pass to Rubsoff, who was wide open, one nothing game. So that was a little embarrassing, I'm sure, for the kid. But he didn't really come back. I think he had like one or two decent plays the rest of the game, but he was quiet. So was um, Arno Durando. Um, he was another guy that just kind of – I think he played for Halifax last year, if I remember. Um, yeah, I think and, so. Yeah, and he was he was quiet too. You r- rarely heard his name. Um, just really not much out there. And again, I didn't have high expectations for these guys, but you know, you see the points they put up in juniors, and you think, okay, yeah, maybe they're going to come in and 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 look good. And again, it's one game. I, I get it, but uh, but those two guys, I kind of expected a little bit more from. So um, all in all, great comeback. Wallstrom, of course, finishes it. I mean, just no doubt in anyone's mind what he was doing. I mean, I had flashbacks of watching him when he was 10 years old at that shootout at the uh, on, on Bruins ice. And uh, when he was like, he became like an internet sensation for doing uh, doing a shootout move like the Michigan or something while he was skating. It was crazy. So I, I was just like, he's not going to miss this. There's no way. And and it, good for him because he was rewarded. He was, I thought, our best forward. Um, him and Koivula probably our two best forwards. And I thought Balduke was the best defenseman. Like to see more to Dobson. Um, but yeah, hockey's back and now we'll have some preseason games to talk about next week. Camp starts today, which is awesome. Um, we'll finally get some things to, to talk about and some clips and sound bites and, uh, it's back. It's back. We made it somehow we made it. Um, so with the game being behind us now, I want to get into a a pretty lengthy article um, of course, as you know, the athletic does a season preview for every team before it starts. Um, Don Lashison does it. Uh, and I think I said his name, right? We had to look at YouTube videos before we came on the air to make sure I pronounced it right. Um, Lushison. <laughs> so anyway, it, just look at it. It's an, it's an insane, I can't even spell it looking Lushishin. at it. So anyway, um, he, he really goes in depth with, with his team previews and, um, of course puts a lot into the analytics side of things. Um, and of course I, I, I subscribe to the athletic. I can't recommend it enough. I think it's an unbelievable platform. If you're, if you're a hockey fan and you want to get into the weeds, of course, Arthur staple follows the Islanders and he's always putting out great articles. Um, but they've got a lot of really good, um, 
really good writers that, um, you know, they, they get into it a little bit more. So um, I can't recommend it enough. And I'm going to read a couple of couple of excerpts here from the preview that Ben and I want to discuss because there's some interesting takes. Of course, everybody's predicting, as, as we guessed, that the Islanders are a fringe playoff team. A lot of outlets have them like sixth in the Metro. And this is a 103-point team with basically everybody coming back except for Filpola and Leonard. And, um, I mean, I, I they're all talking about regression. So I want to get into it a little bit. And this is, uh, this is a, a quote from, from the article. The question now is whether Lightning can strike twice. Teams that surprise as much as the Islanders did usually fall back down to earth the following season, meaning last year's cries of regression from non-believers won't be going away anytime soon. All season, the team continued to prove doubters wrong, but history is not on their side. A quiet offseason where the team arguably downgraded at the position last year's success was built upon doesn't help matters, especially as other teams around them improved significantly. While my updated model, which now uses expected goals instead of Corsi, is more bullish on the Islanders than it previously was, it remains bearish on the team's chances this upcoming season. A 35% chance at the postseason isn't nothing, and it's a big improvement from the 16% they had before last season, but it's still probably much lower than some Islander fans would hope. Any truth to that, Ben? Listen, I think this team showed that it's not about numbers and that numbers can't define this team. It showed that even though there were star players, Leonard was clearly a star player. I disagree with Kenny there. Uh, I think we talked about it in the first show, so check that out if you haven't. Maybe, no, maybe it was the second. Check both out. Um, <laughs> but And obviously Matt Barzell. And some, but it was a team, as you said, where we defended by committee. We Even with a goaltending tandem of literally two people, it was by committee. The attack was by committee. And... So one guy leaves, the next guy steps up. That was the theme the whole year. Why? What makes you think that it's going to be different with Barlamov stepping in? Listen, I don't think that Grice is going to get another seven, another nine twenty-seven. I don't think that Barlamov is going to get a nine thirty. But I think they'll, the average will probably still be above nine twenty. I think it'll be in the top ten in the league, maybe higher than that. And as much as Leonard is a great goalie, I do agree with Kenny here, where. A lot of the reason why Leonard was amazing was, yes, Leonard, but also the defense in front of him. That didn't change. Not a single bit. And if it's going to change, it's going to get better with Johnson. And maybe with Letty getting out, which Kenny would like. Uh, But it's... Varlamov is a a very good goaltender, as is Thomas Grice. It's It's not like these guys... Yeah, sure, they had the best seasons of their careers last year, both Grice and, and Leonard. But it, it's not like Varlamov and Grice aren't good goaltenders, because they are. And it's not like Derek Broussard isn't a good third-line center, because he is. Well, he, that's arguable. But we'll get, we'll, we'll get, to, we'll get to the forwards in, in a second. I want to I wanna go back to I, what, what you said about goaltending. I find it so interesting how many people just ignore the fact that Thomas Grice had the same numbers as Robin Leonard last year during the regular season. I mean, that, that blows my mind. Everybody wants to say, yeah, the honors won't be as good because they lost their superstar in net. Well, if you whited out their names on the stat sheet and you looked at both of them, I guarantee you, that most people would not be able to say which one's Grice's numbers and which one's Leonard's. They played roughly the same amount of games. Um, and I know Leonard, you know, had the playoff run with us, but it was the system. And it's it's either going to come down to if you believe in the Barry Trotz system or you don't. And I think Lashison is saying that he doesn't necessarily put as much stock into Barry Trotz system. I mean, he even says in his article, Attributed to the tutelage of head coach Barry Trotz, it's unlikely it was to the degree the team experienced. I disagree. I've been watching the Islanders for 35 years, and I never saw them play the way they played last season, which was confident, which was systematic. We would grind teams down. You can't just 
say, oh, well, the team's going to regress and now they're going to you know drop by 15 points or something the next year. Yeah, they may not get 103 points, but there's still that system's still going to be in place. And now there's going you're going to add to that consistency with defensemen and forwards that have that that same coach coming in next year. They know the system already. They don't need to, you know, retrain their brain. They they know what was what made them successful last year and they're only going to get better. What I see now are these forwards that learned how to how to shut down teams last year in the defensive zone. Now they get that. I think you're going to see better better on the offensive side. So yep, we made Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So I mean, he's saying in his article, um, the likely regression from Thomas Grice, who probably won't put up another nine two seven season. Um, and again, then he talks about Leonard. Yeah, I get that. But Grice's numbers outside of the Doug Waite year are all pretty good. And and yeah. Varlamov's not bad either. So I think these guys, again, there's no reason to believe that Thomas Grice can't do, you know, nine, you know, be somewhere in nine twenties next year uh, or this year also. And um, Barry Trotz himself, like we talked a lot about about the, the players or at least the, the player positions. Barry Trotz plays against the numbers. That's just the kind of coach he is. He will get to it later in the article, or we can touch on it now, that the uh, there's a statistic where they had the most dump-ins or something. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll read Yep, yeah, I got that. I've got that here. This, is, this blew my mind, and I kind of hinted at it earlier in the show, too. Uh, according to data tracked by Corey Snader, they were one of four teams to dump the puck in on more than half of their entries, but were 25th in recovery percentage and dead last in shots generated from dump-ins. It's a small sample size, and the team may have improved as the season went along, but it's a scheme that doesn't appear to be working very well. That's the thing is, I don't agree. I think that those statistics generally would lead to that uh, deduction. Not deduction. That would generally lead to that thought process or that Mm -hmm. conclusion. That's what I was looking for, conclusion. (laughs) Um, But... Trotz plays the numbers. The Islanders dump it in, and they, I think, have an innate and, at least from my hockey-watching experience, unprecedented knowledge for when to forecheck on it, when to forecheck originally and then drop back, and then when to press. I mean, they were dead last in shots generated. I bet you that half of those were Sezikis winning the puck and finding Martin in the slot, who missed high or hit the post or hit the goaltender's shoulder right. and they get it. It's, it's how the Islanders want to play. It's not a coincidence. Is it maybe a little bit lucky that the Islanders have played against the numbers to such an extent that they did probably, but the Islanders will be what the numbers will call lucky next year. Will they be as quote lucky? I'm using air quotes that of course you can't mm-hmm. see. Uh, probably not because some of it's luck. It's just how hockey works. It's a lot of it is luck, but that's just, that's how trots plays. It's how the Islanders like to dump it in and they dump it in on more than half of their entries and 25th in recovery percentage. That's because 75% of the time they were like, we shouldn't recover. We should change. We should regroup. We should settle down. And 25% of the time they should recover and they do recover. They succeed. I'm sure that the um, and then shots generated. That's because they take shots that will be high percentage shots. I'm sure that they're not last or anywhere close to last in high danger percentage shots rated from. Yeah, and they had high. They they had they had a great PDO last year, which is basically the NHL advanced stat advanced stats word for luck now, or or, or method to track luck is PDO. Um, I, I will say this. You can't score goals if you don't possess the puck. And I think that, especially third and fourth lines, they were a little dump crazy last year. I didn't realize how poor their retrieval numbers were. And I think, at least I hope, that this season, as they're more familiar with the system, they'll be less scared or or, or worried to turn the puck over and maybe attack a little bit more. 
because I thought they were almost too cautious. And it's a, it's a fine there's a fine line there between being dominating the other team's scoring chances, but you, you know you you have, you have to be generating chances of your own as well. And that's where I thought they could use um, some improvement. And 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 I'm hoping that maybe Trotz will tweak some things so that they possess the puck a little bit more because again the guys like Komarov and to an extent last season Filipula they were definitely puck chasing um, and where Filipula would 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 get you know redeemed is the the dude would score I mean his 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 shot percentage was insane last year um, but he didn't take many shots because they didn't have the puck a whole lot. And, you know, guys like Ladd and Komarov and Kunakl. And I mean, we've got so many of those guys that I feel chase the game a little bit. So I agree um, with the athletic on this point. I think that if they want to have success this year, they definitely need to improve those numbers and start possessing the puck a little bit more. Um, that being said, I, I want to talk a little bit about where. They put a lot of stock here in Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellet, which I'm glad to see a national outlet giving these guys their due. Um, and they, they talk about the D, and they say that starts with the top pair of Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellet, a duo tasked with shutting down opponents best on a nightly basis and does a masterful job of doing so. Just look what they did to Sidney Crosby last spring for a taste of what they can offer. It wasn't until the team's 32nd game that the duo became, the duo became an item, but the Islanders never looked back. They're top 10 pair in the league. And then he goes on to describe Pellick. Pellick isn't much of anything with the puck, but he's excellent in his own zone. And that leads to him having the seventh best defensive impact in the league among defenders with tough usage. Pollock is a two-way force and was a monster in the season's second half, really coming into his own as a legitimate number one defender. Good for these guys. I'm glad to see them getting recognized. Um, and uh, as much as I may, you know, trash Pellick for his decision-making at times, realistically him and him and Pollock were our, were our best best pair last year for sure and and we talked about the impact that Taves had he played the last 40 games of the year I believe or maybe 39 yeah, four, I think 48 he played last year 48 yeah um that's the the other thing that changed this team is Pulak and Pellick becoming the number one pair the first 32 games the Islanders were you know about above expectations they were you know around playoff like wild card playoff hunt but that's one of the things that for me clicked the season into gear was getting that number one pair because it was the role model for this team that would become the defensive powerhouse of the nhl that won the jennings trophy uh and it was of course because of of leonard and grice but it was also because of an exceptional defense that was led by Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick, one of one of whom we were ridiculing last season or the year before last season. Yeah, yeah, and, and rightfully and, so. I, yeah, I, 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 are you you're talking about Pulak, correct? Pellick. Okay, see, so here's where I'm going to make a little bit of a comparison and tie this back to the prospect game. So when Waite was the coach and Pulak was kind of you know fighting to make the team. I remember Arthur Staples saying that on the on the depth chart, Ryan Pollock was number eight out of eight. He was the bottom of the Islanders' defense depth chart. He looked very lost and looked tentative as well. And it's amazing how quickly he turned it around to become what Dom Lachizan calls a monster in his own zone. So that being said, with Dobson, I want to talk about Dobson and how, you know, yes, he's even younger than Pollock was back then, so he's 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 going to be more than fine, and I don't put any stock in 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 that game. But it's just I kind of see some parallels there between some guys that were both hyped, and you're saying, oh, I, I kind of expected more, but you got to give him a little bit of time. Yeah, and and you're right with Pollock about being bottom of the depth chart, and and Adam Pellick, on the other hand, was also one of the guys who were like, Adam, what are you doing? Get it out of the zone. And and Dom says it in the in the in the in his in the article about how it's Pelic isn't much of anything with the puck, which I'm not sure I agree with. I think maybe he means on the offensive zone, which I'm still not sure I agree with. 
resuming quote, but he's excellent in his own zone, and that leads him to having the seventh best defensive impact in the league among defenders with tough usage. And that that shows what he's become. And and again, it's defending by committee. It's him. He helps Pulak. Pulak helps him. They help the two lines behind them. And Trotz puts it all together. That's the thing about defending by committee and why Varlamov coming in for Leonard might have a small impact, but is not going to be crazy. It's because of this idea that it's not like one guy is ruling. It's, it's, it's like a democracy. <laughs> right. Almost. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, and, and, and there's, again, I, I, I can't stress enough to definitely go on, uh, go online, subscribe to the athletic, check out this article, but, um, you know, to kind of summarize it, what where he says is, uh, I think everyone can agree that last year's triumph will not be repeated, especially with the team arguably downgrading from Leonard to Varlamov. The degree to which is what's the what's in question. Can they still be a playoff team? Absolutely. They just need a few things to go their way. They need Varlamov to perform well. They need Barzell to get back to his score elite scoring rate. They need Eberle to bounce back. They need Nelson and Pollock to stay at the levels they showed last year. They need Taves to build on a sterling rookie season. They need the fourth line to remain elite at what they do. They need Broussard to find his game. So, you know, there's some things, again, there's a lot that I agree with, with Dom on in this article. There's one thing that really stood out to me, too, is he said that Bailey is not good defensively in his own zone, which I, ugh, I mean, I disagree with that 100%. I mean, and that's one of those things where you look at advanced stats and the eye test, I guarantee you he's not watching every Islanders game, but he's looking at he's looking at the, 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 the metrics, and I'm watching every game. I think Bailey's great in his own zone. He breaks up passes, all that. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, I agree with what he's saying here. A lot needs to break the right way, assuming that the roster stays the way it's constructed now and there's no changes, which are still very possible. Plus, you've got some of these prospects that could make a run and uh, – and bump some guys out. So yeah, and you said it with uh, with the the quote about how everything needs to go right, and obviously all of those things aren't going to happen because that's just it's not how life works, unfortunately. And right. At least twice because you know it, it happened last year. <laughs> but as an Islanders fan, I expect all of those things. I'm not expecting them to happen, but all of the the achievements that that he's expecting from Eberly and Barzell etc those are things I expect of each and every one of them it it's not that all those things are going to happen but I expect Ellie Eberly to bounce back I expect Barzell to be closer to the player he was in his rookie year than his sophomore year I expect uh Varlamov to be definitely a bounce back year but probably closer to you know Grice's numbers that kind of thing um uh, and all these things, they're not going to happen. Uh, as, you know, I, I am beating a dead horse. But as an Islanders fan, you think that these are things that should happen, which leads me to, are the Islanders going to finish with 103 points next season? I don't think so. No, but I agree with that. I, think I don't that think they no will. Is a hard ans- I, I think that no is a harsh answer. I think this team told you too much, especially in the last 60% of last year that showed from a viewer, as someone that watched maybe 80 of the 82 regular season games, that uh, that the first 40% is less likely to be this year than the, than the last 60%. Which leads me to think, reversion to the mean thinks that they'll be worse than last year. But the way they ended last year makes you think that they have also tools to improve rather than uh why am i blanking on the opposite of improve i feel like a seventh grader uh regress is the big yeah, one. regress yeah. decline well that's yeah i mean all all season last year it was islanders twitter against you know guys like ryan lambert and and at times dom and you know about these were the these were the 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 advanced stats, the analytics guys that just kept saying the Islanders are going to fall off a cliff, the Islanders are going to fall off a cliff, and they never did. So it's no surprise now they're doubling down um, this year, and now they've got their before it wasn't it wasn't Leonard, you know, but now that Leonard's gone, of course it was all about Leonard, and, and he's the reason why and all that. Uh, look, 
I don't think they're going to get 103 points. I also don't think don't think they're going to be somewhere in the 80s either with points, which is where I've seen them predicted, which to me is is just insane. I, I see them mid 90s to upper 90s, so not as yep, many points as last year, but probably third or fourth um, in the metro, and and you know 95 to 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 98, 99 points, which is fine. I think curious, yes, they will. Think, if you're curious to see where the where us three think the Islanders will will stack and where the other teams in the Metro will stack. Check out our last episode, shameless plug. Yeah, you like your plugs today, man. You're, yeah, I, think I, you've really every, I think you've plugged every episode. So <laughs> If I haven't, then you should check out all of them. There you go. Listen to them all. And I, I, that, that being said, I will say um, a huge thanks to everybody who listened to our episode last week. You know, we, we, we just kind of started this. This is only our fifth show here. And um, last last week's episode with uh, the Barzil story just absolutely took off for us. So thank you. You know, we I had somebody reach out to me from the UK um, and 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 a few people that that I used to you know play hockey with that listened to the episode that that really were into it. So thank you guys for for listening to that. Um, you know, going back to going back to the article. Uh, you go go. I'll I'll tell this. I'll say this at the end. You go back to the article. Yeah, just you know, kind of going back to the article. The things that they don't really mention much about is that I think our power play is going to be better. Um, I think our D is only getting better as they play more into the system and these guys mature and, and get NHL games behind them. Um, that's, that's huge for them. And I think, again, you had an offense that had a down year last year. So even if the defense takes a small step back, which I don't think they will, Call it goaltending, call it defense, whatever you will. Let's say we give up more goals this year. I think we're going to score more. I think Barzell is going to have a bounce back year. I think Ebbs is going to have a bounce back year. I think our power play is going to be better. If Hosang makes the team, I think he can help. Dal Cole is going to take strides. So I think you have to look at everything and say, you know, if it all balances out, you're still looking at a 100-point team. And that's, exactly. again, if they don't make any changes. So I think... I think that this is a little, they're a little cold on the Islanders, but you know what? Last year they gave them a 16% chance to make the playoffs and look what they did. They were one point out from finish, from winning the division. So but now they're giving us what the It's what we want. We want to be the team again that everyone doubts because that's one of the things to me that helped the Islanders make the playoffs is the drive, the everyone's doubting us mentality. I love that and they love that. So why not use it again? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that's right where these guys like to be. They like to be disrespected. They played with a chip on their shoulder last year after the JT debacle. And I think if after, again, finishing with 100 plus points, they're still not getting respected. I think that's enough ammunition that they need to, to have that chip on their shoulder again. So um, again, I don't think they're going to be as bad as, as Dom is saying, but I do think that he does bring up some, some valid points and that, that we, we felt was worthy enough to discuss on the show, um, as we, as we really start to get into camp here. So, um, I think with that, we're probably going to call it Ben. I know you wanted to kind of talk about something else here before we left. Yeah, it was just that, um, the anchor, which is the platform, another plug, although this time I'm not plugging the show. So I'm not just selfish, uh, Damon. <laughs> But um, Anchor helps you publish to multiple platforms. That's why you can listen on on Spotify, on cast, on all these things that I said in a few shows before. So another plug, go check it out. Uh, that there are too many to name. They also give you demographics of where you all are listening to us on. So most of the listeners are in the United States, and but we also have a listener. We have three or three listeners from Algeria, which I think is so cool. I mean, if you're on vacation, that's also cool. But if you're from Algeria, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that is awesome. You're from Croatia. We have a listener from Saudi Arabia. So thank you all for your listens. And also, if you're just one of the people that listens to us from Texas, thank you just as much. Or if you listen to us from, from the city or from... Barnsley, UK. We we thank you all. I just thought it would be cool to check out all the listeners that we have from from all over the world. Yeah, 
For sure, for sure. Now, it's been fun so far, and we hope that you guys are enjoying the content. We're really going to, our plan is to really dig into the games as the season starts. Um, right, you know, with the summer, we, we've really kind of covered things from a from a macro standpoint, and uh, we're real excited to get into the micro stuff when the games begin. Um, I know, for me, I always like to listen to, after a game, I want to consume as much as I possibly can about the details, and, and I think that's something that's kind of been lacking with um, Islanders coverage is you can't really get that in-depth uh, post-game coverage that uh, you can with maybe some other sports teams in the New York area. So we, we're really excited to to get into that when the season starts. And again, so we appreciate that. Oh, I'm I'm definitely plugging us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not just. Me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I don't beat the listeners over the head with it. I'm okay. not like, oh, by the way, you can listen to uh, if you go to the thirtieth minute. Of the well, second at this point, it's just <laughs> ironic. <laughs> no, well, well, listen, guys, we really do appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Uh, next week, we should have plenty to report from from a week of camp and some preseason games. So, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, ben, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I uh, just thank you all for your listens for your listens again. And if there's anything you want to talk to us about. Uh, if you want have ideas on you know whether you think it's too long, it's too short, we should do this, we should do that. We'd we'd love to hear you. We won't judge negative feedback. We'd also love positive feedback. <laughs> but uh, any if for any reason you want to hit us up, Damon, you always have this outro with our twitters. So take it away. Yep. So Ben's at li sound underscore, and I'm at. Kaiju Blue 13, K A I J U B L U E 13. Um, you can hit us up. You, like Ben said, you can you can give us some feedback, some questions. We had a lot of great interactions uh, this past week on Twitter, so we look forward to that again. And uh, for Ben, I'm Damon. Thanks again for listening. Hockey is back. Later, guys. Peace.